Welcome back, disciples, to the Red Letter Disciple podcast. My name is Zach Sender, host of this, and I'm going to bring my co-host, Chris Johnson, back in just a couple of minutes for our great conversation today. The mission of the Red Letter Disciple is to challenge you, wherever you are, to be a greater disciple of Jesus, believing that when we all are greater disciples, the world is going to see a beautiful greater, fresher expression of Jesus and truly change. And I really believe that the conversation we're having today, yeah, it's going to help. <laughs> it's going to challenge you. It's going to inspire you. You're going to laugh a lot. You may even cry in this one. We got the story of the year, I believe. We got two local pastors, Andy Kopp and Walter Hooker of Bellevue Christian Center that are coming into the studio today. And, and, and we're going to hear a story of these two pastors, one black, one white. They became friends many, many years ago. They went through adversity, even at their own church together. And then amazingly, in the midst of that adversity, while one was experiencing a kidney failure, the other found out he was the perfect match. And it's this beautiful story that God weaves together. So we're going to talk racial reconciliation and healing along the way, the power of God and his story and how he amazingly, miraculously is still moving. And I think it's going to really challenge us today. Today's episode is brought to you by Red Letter Living. We create resources that challenge disciples of Jesus to be greater disciples. And so one of the resources we're really excited about, in, and you're going to hear a lot of this sort of talk today about reconciliation. Our newest is the 40-Day Forgiving Challenge, really trying to help people experience God's freedom. We talk a lot about forgiveness today. We talk a lot about reconciliation. But what I've noticed and when I've asked this in rooms, far more people today struggle to receive God's forgiveness for themselves than they even do to forgive others. And so what would it look like for you, for your church, to all experience God's freedom? And so Lent is coming up. It's only a few weeks away and that is the number one season we've found for churches to do 40-day challenges. And so if you want in, get in. More than 100 churches are in already this Lenten season for a 40-day challenge. And Forgiving Challenge is a perfect one for you. Not only will you hopefully learn and grow in freedom as you receive God's forgiveness, but pastors, you're going to see 40% growth in your small groups when you implement a 40-day challenge. You're going you're gonna to focus on the words of Jesus, and that's going to bring unity. And so all of that with six weeks of done-for-you materials. Hey, you can find out more about Forgiving Challenge at forgivingchallenge.com. If you'd like a free copy mailed to you, we would be happy to do that as well. You can find all the links at redletterpodcast.com and we would love to partner with you. But hey, only a little while left until Lent is coming. So we would love to partner with you for an amazing 40-day experience to bring God's freedom. All right, we're about to get into the story of the year. But first, hey, if this episode is helpful, tell a friend. Tell a friend in real life. Go check out the Red Letter Disciple. Also, would you please follow or subscribe on whatever platform is your preference? And if you would, we would really appreciate a five-star review. That, that really helps us continue this journey. So here we go. Episode two of season three. Let's do this. Do you like great stories, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, you're starting. I thought, <laughs> do you like great stories? This is season three, podcast episode two. My name is Pastor Chris. With me, as always, my faithful companion, Zach Sender. He owns the company. But here's the thing. Today, we have an amazing story. So whether you're a church leader, you're a Christian whether you're on the fence with this whole thing, you need to listen to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hand it over to the host, Zach Sender. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm excited. We got a fun one today. We got four pastors in a really four. tight space um, that's going to talk about Jesus today. Uh, but we got pastors Andy Cop and Walter Hooker, who are pastors at Bellevue Christian Center. The Hook. The Hook. That's his name. Yeah, the Hook. Uh, Bellevue's right outside of Omaha. So we got three Huskers and then don't hold it against Chris. He's I'm from out. Iowa. I'm out. I'm out. What? Are you confused. Are you not a Husker? <laughs> you got me mixed up with somebody. <laughs> Wait, what are you? Whoever's playing the Husker. <laughs> yeah, come on! Right there! Hook is my man! All right, I didn't know that. That's uh, my man. Cut? No, just kidding. No. No, Me but he, too! <laughs> 
So these two uh, pastors, Andy and, and Hook, they've got a, a powerful story that's linked them together more than just being on staff. And we're going to we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I, I would love for you to give me a little bit of each of your background, uh, both of you in Bellevue now. But mm. yeah, have you always grown up here and both of your pastors? So how would you get into that? Yeah. So first of all, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah. This is going to be a it's already been a lot of fun. So I can't <laughs> wait to see how this goes. But um for me, I grew up in Bellevue. My family moved to Bellevue when I was five years old. So it's always been home. Uh, our church there, Bellevue Christian Center, been going there since I was five years old. Oh, wow. So that's always been home, grown up in the church. Um, you know, went to school there. And as much as my family was involved in the church, there was a period, kind of the teenage years, we all kind of go through that season, but sure. um, I did just about anything I could to run away from mm. the church and just this life. You know, I, I definitely did not see myself as being a pastor, let alone a pastor on staff at the church that I grew up in. And um, it, there were just individuals that stuck with me through all of the the craziness, the ups and downs, the, uh, the, just the, the trials that I went through hook being one of those guys. Uh, so our story even, goes way back to when I was a kid, but, um, yeah, Bellevue's Bellevue's been home, love the city, love being there, love being a part of the greater Omaha space. But, uh, yeah, this is so kind how of long have you two known each other since he came to Bellevue? So and five of you, five, yeah. since you were five, <laughs> since I was five and hope, did you work at the church then? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I've been, I've been at Bellevue since 88. Oh my goodness. And I came on staff in 94. Okay. Yeah. And so you knew a young. Yes. Oh, yes. Young. Okay. okay. And did you ever think you'd be uh, the day where you're next to him as pastor? No. <laughs> no. But as as we grew up, it became obvious. Mm. I mean, uh. like you said, there was a time in his life where you say, I don't know if Andy. But as 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 he began to yield and surrender to, to the call that God had on his life, mm. it was obvious. I think that's wow. really cool, though, because I think a lot of times, you know, we try to position or even ask, you know, teenagers, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're going through these really rough times yeah. where we're still figuring mm. out who we are. Right. And and even if it's not sort of in the cards at that point or nobody can see it yeah. <laughs> at that yeah. point, mm -hmm. uh, it's amazing that, yeah, God has these stories that he writes through us. And and yeah, so cool. So that's yeah. Andy. All right, Hook, tell me tell me your story. I'm originally from North Carolina. Okay. I was joined the military in uh, 79. And I ended up in Omaha in uh, 89. And uh, uh, my wife, uh, three kids. When I got here, we had been married 10 years. I had a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Mm. Now we've been married 42 years. Come on. I have a 43-year-old, uh, a 39-year-old, <clears throat> a 38-year-old, grandchildren, 15, 14, 12, 9, 6, 4, and 4. You ever, oh, there you go. You ever jumble up the names? Oh, oh yeah, all okay. The time, all the time. I do that with my son sometimes. <laughs> I've got two. You know, I can't even imagine what you're going through. Like one time the other day, I my kid's name is Carter, and I said, Mushu, get over here. That's my dog. <laughs> That's where I got in trouble. That's where the wife's like, you, you really need to learn <laughs> these kids' names at some point. Yeah, I watched my parents do that. And I said, How can they do that? How can they get mm -hmm. us? And now I do it. So I it, yeah. it just comes with being a grandparent. Okay, good. I have hope. But uh yeah, we came uh, to Bellevue in '88. And uh, I was in the military, and in 93, I was preparing the PCS, and we were getting ready to go to Belgium. Oh, and, wow. Um, Pastor Gary, who's both our pastors, who we sat under, he asked me to come on staff. So we got out of the military in uh, 94, in August of 94, and I came to work at the church in September of 94. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And what I love, uh, so we have two pastors, obviously, here. One, uh, and you guys don't look like each other, uh, which is awesome. And he has hair wait. and I don't. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The only difference. That's what I'm saying. But, but that's what I think is well, so neat. Yeah, and he's got earrings. Yeah. So that's the other I didn't wear mine today. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes we hear uh, there's validity to it that sometimes that hour on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated yeah. Yeah, hours. Sure. And so here we have a, a black and a white pastor that are serving together. And I'm really trying to steward this platform uh, and you find my voice and use my voice in the cause to, to bring reconciliation. Yeah. So you guys are in it on a day-to-day -day basis just because of, yeah. of, of your stories and who you are. So, so what have you found in at working together um, uh, when it comes to reconciliation and, and what, what we can do all of us as everyday disciples that, that can help bridge the gap there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, you know, when I 
look back just over the last couple of years, and and if I'm being honest, that's probably when the majority of these kinds of conversations began for me. That that prior to 2020, there was some awareness yeah. of the divide racially that we have in our world, but I wouldn't say that that I was really aware right. of yeah. where not only our world was at, but where is our city at? Where is our church at? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we began just having some conversations that uh, because of the nature of our relationship and friendship, we were able to just really mm. talk and be honest and, and be able to just say things that we knew we knew. Okay. As I say this, I know this isn't right. <laughs> it's going to come, come out wrong. But, but Don't is, hate me for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But this is what's in my head and my heart. And, and I need a safe place to process yeah. it. Wow. And we were able to just begin those conversations yeah. with each other that's and super then cool. with our staff and with our church as a whole. But um, I would say that's probably been one of the biggest uh, lessons learned over the last couple of years is how necessary these relationships and conversations are. Yeah. You, you've got to be able to have a place yeah. where uh, I can say all the wrong things, yep. but he knows me and loves me enough to say, okay, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I also know you. Let's talk about that. Let's, right. let's process it together. So, yeah. and, 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 you know, as we talk about saying the wrong things, feeling the wrong way, those thoughts, feelings, and attitudes came from somewhere, mm-hmm. some experience you mm-hmm. had, something you saw, yep. some, something someone said to you. And all of us are in this journey of experiences. Yeah. We are who we are because of our journey. So I don't judge him because of his journey, but let's talk about your journey. Let's talk about how you were raised in your home. Let's talk yeah. about the city that you're, let's talk about how many blacks you went to school with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of that stuff. Let's just put it on table and talk about it. And then we understand, man, that's why I feel the way I feel, but there's another way to feel, but I've never had an opportunity because I've never had that yeah. experience. And what we try to do is provide opportunities for people to share their journey, to share their experience, Mm -hmm. what they've seen, how they felt in certain situations in a safe environment where you can say it and know that you're going to be understood and not judged. So how do you do that? How do you allow people to share those experiences? Shut up and listen. (laughs) That's good. And I can tell for you and me, that's a hard thing. Yeah, (laughs) We're talkers. We're talkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As as pastors, we're talkers. Our job is to give information. But in this, uh, in this, experience of trying to work through reconciliation and diversity, you got to learn the skill of listening mm. and appreciating the other person's point of view, not to judge it, but to understand it and appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've, the, you know, we had a mutual friend in Florida, Ben Hoyer, that really helped me kind of on this path of journeying or exploring uh, probably about seven, eight years ago. Mm. And I feel like Andy, I, I, I was, and, and, and I'm trying to break out of like the same thing you said, uh, that that I had an understanding of it, but it was it, it was a shallow understanding. Like I knew there was a problem. Oh yeah, we're against that. Of course we are. Yeah. But like, there's a deeper level that I think a lot of people in my color of skin yeah. don't understand. And, and the times I've talked about it, again, mostly to a white audience, <laughs> it has not come out well. Right. And I've learned certain things to say and not yes. say. Um, but I do think that that's. Uh, with a lot of like Christian minded people that have my color of skin. Uh, it's not that there's not an awareness, but I, I do think that there's a deeper level that a lot of us have not yet entered into. Right. And that's what I would love to push people into the thing that Ben encouraged us to get into seven, eight years ago, the thing that in 2020 encouraged a lot of people. Right. And so what's a good, like, f- is it just f- finding one person that looks different is different right. uh, and, and being able to say, Hey, I need to, I need to know more about this. Right. I'm not going to say it the right way, but right. can I be a safe, right. what, what would you say hook? Uh, I've, I've read statistics and, and, and don't quote me on this, but 77% of white people don't have a black friend. Yeah. I'm not talking about a queen. I'm talking about a friend where you can sit down and say those things and they'll hear you. And no matter what you say, they're going to love you. Mm. 77% of white people like, you know, yeah. you just don't have that opportunity. 60 Five percent of Black people don't have a white friend where they can listen to and and help guide them and share why you feel the way you feel. Mm. So you're starting from a negative point of view. So we need to understand that if we don't press it, if we're not uh, making that a a point to meet people who are different than us, to hear perspectives 
from people who are different, to hear perspectives from people who are different <laughs> mm-hmm. from us. What'd not, you say? <laughs> not to change people, but to right. hear them, then you don't grow. Uh, I've had the, the wonderful opportunity, which some people would oh man, that's, that's rough. I was part of segregation and integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sixth grade, they moved me from a black school to a white school. My life changed. Wow. There was about 10 of us. They moved from the black school and stuck us in with these whites. And these whites had never gone to school. In North Carolina. In North Carolina, in the South. And, you know, you you got all of that. But the thing that saved me for most of us, and and I'll talk about, I was in sports. Mm. And if you're in sports, then it kind of levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. So I learned from white guys because of sports. And it's just so funny. From the seventh grade to the 12th grade, I mimicked white people. Mm. Hmm. My whole education in high school was because of white people. If they took advanced biology, I took advanced. If they took chemistry, <laughs> I took chemistry. If they took French, I took French. Talking to the quarterback, he and I were the best friends. So he, he would identify. So I took the same thing. <laughs> and it changed me. And I learned, man, I said, man, being around white people, it's kind of fun. It's, 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 you, you know, you know I, I tease black. I said, every black person should have a white guy. I mean, <laughs> oh, white girl. You, you, I mean, it just makes life better to have somebody who's different. Last thing, I went to college, and uh, the college I went to, East Carolina University, mm-hmm. 1979, 75, I went to college. There was 13,000 students, 500 blacks. Wow. I lived in a dorm that had uh, uh, balconies, and these guys had this little thing that sat on the, on the balcony, and they said, we're going to grill today. And I said, where's the grill? They said, it's on the balcony. Didn't you see it? I said, what are you talking about? And they said, right there. I said, what is that? (laughs) That's a grill. I said, that's no grill like we ever seen. These little hibachi things. And I said, oh, my God, what kind of world? And then they said, we're going to cook steaks. And they brought this thing out like this. I had never seen a steak Mm. until I went to college and had these white friends. And just, I could just go on and on about things. I learned from people like you, man. You guys are really interesting. Well, and I would say the same thing about people like you. <laughs> but no, but seriously, what? it makes what? life more fun, and it's yes. it's it's more rich when you understand other cultures and where they're coming from. And so, uh, one more question on that that I would have if if you just said like the main problem is seventy seven percent of whites don't have a black friend. I think yeah. it's sixty three, sixty five percent of blacks don't have a wh- a white friend. Uh, how do we? And then I heard you say sports. So, so, so that's like something to do. And right. so is it like just finding uh, a hobby or a project or like, because I think the last thing we want is to come into this with sort of, you know, from my perspective, right. a white man savior perspective, right. like, oh, I'm going to help. Because that's not, that's not, no. I want to learn. And I, I and I, I'm better when I learn right. uh, and be a part of this. And so I don't want to come from that perspective and I don't want to come in an inauthentic way. And so how do I, make a friendship with someone who's different than me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like what, what's a step or two that might be good? First, you got to be intentional. Yeah. You got to say, man, I have to put myself in situations that might be uncomfortable. I have to put myself in situations where I am maybe the only one. I have to find someone as, as you go through life and, and you meet someone. You say, man, I really would like to just sit down and talk to you. You know, we live in a Christian world and, and we find people who are different cultures, different experiences. And you say, man, I'm trying to grow in some areas. And I really, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to be vulnerable. Put yeah. yourself out there. Uh, one of the things that that we as blacks that gives us a heads up is we've always been the, the, the odd one. You know, I can tell you classes where I was the only black in there. So we grew up naturally being in that. You got to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. and put yourself in situations where you are one of the few. Yeah. So just to recap, uh, I think what we've learned so far from from Hook is that uh, white people have gigantic steaks and horrible grills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was it George Foreman grill or what? <laughs> this is way before George Foreman. I think I had a George Foreman grill in college. No, it's, go ahead. Yeah. I think one of the things too, like for me, I had to learn that my world is not the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> Same. That yeah. If I, if I, approach things with that perspective that like, man, there's so much more than just what I know up to date and what I've learned so far. Then I become genuinely curious about other Mm. cultures, other Mm -hmm. ways of life, other perspectives. Mm -hmm. And it's that curiosity that drives friendships deeper, right? Of, I want to know more of your story. As I start to learn someone's story, I go, man, that yeah, I can't even imagine mm-hmm. what that was like yeah. growing up that way or 
Uh, I know for us also, like one of the the great equalizers is just sharing meals. It's food. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's sitting. We all gotta down. eat. Exactly. <laughs> it's sitting down to a meal together, and it's it, mm-hmm. it amazing what that can do. Because sharing a table with somebody yeah. is opening up your life to them. Yeah. And so that's me inviting him to my table and him inviting me to his table. Yeah. And, and that, that has gone so far yeah. in, in just what you can learn through that process and, mm-hmm. and, and just getting outside of your own head, getting yeah. outside of your own worlds. I do. Andy was on the track to recovery discovery when he ate some chitlins. With that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love them. <laughs> Absolutely it not. changed everything. That is friendship. That's friendship. <laughs> that is friendship. I, I think that's so good. And like what to remind ourselves that the world we're in, if we're not intentional, is not all there is. Yeah. And for right. me, what opened my eyes again, it was about seven, eight years ago. And it was it was joining a, a three day experience in Orlando uh, where there's 15, 16 of us that look mm. different. Uh, mm. Men, women, age, uh, race, obviously was a huge part of it. And, and for me, it was the second day when I went to the Orange County Courthouse and the pre-arraignment hearing and just seeing 22, 23 people, uh, every single one of them black or brown mm. and everybody behind the bench white. And that wasn't staged. No, no. It's and that's life. something my yeah. eyes won't ever unsee. And mm-hmm. it's like until I had that moment and was able to have then process that with the same mm-hmm. group that came into the courthouse, which when I came in that morning, it was good morning, sir. And when, when the black, uh, a black friend of mine that came in wearing a nice suit, uh, it was good luck. Mm. And, and that's just Whoa. different words. Yeah. And, and he was be, the guard was being nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so having that experience, that intentionality, like you mm. said, putting yourself in uncomfortable places um, and in situations to open our eyes is so good. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm always putting myself in uncomfortable situations because I, <laughs> I, I stand next to Chris. So I feel pretty good about that. But that's true. All right, Hook, a couple of years ago, we're going to do a pivot here. You were diagnosed with a kidney failure. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of listeners that obviously deal with crisis the last couple of years has, has sort of, you know, had its uh, greater number of those. And so how, How'd you cope with that? And what, what was, what was that experience like? Well, uh, in the military, um, I took a lot of, uh, anti-inflammatories lifting weights and, you know, your joints inflame and you just start popping that stuff like candy mm-hmm. to deal with the pain and, mm-hmm. and the doctors just give it to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what happened, it, it affected my kidneys. Mm-hmm. So in the military, I, I had some, uh, kidney failure, but we were on top of it. I had a nephrologist. I go to him every year. We check the numbers. We were good. We were good. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, uh, this happened in December of 20 in September 20, I went to see my nephrologist. My numbers were good. Hmm. Got COVID in December, December the 15th. I went to Nebraska med center with COVID, uh, found out that my kidneys were failing or had failed. Uh, I stayed in the hospital for two weeks, oh. not because of COVID, but because of my kidneys. Wow. And they started me on dialysis and, uh, so everything was going pretty well until oh, yeah. COVID. Yeah, happened. all this was it was COVID. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so then uh, I missed Christmas with my kids. Never had done that. Oh. Missed my anniversary, which was the 29th of December. Uh, for my wife and I, it's the worst two weeks of our life. Mm. She uh, that was when she couldn't come to the hospital. Right. Yeah. And when I would Facetime, she said she didn't want to look at me because I was so drawn and and ashy because of mm. my, my my kidneys not working. So. I got out of the hospital, still on dialysis. I was on dialysis through February. Then they said, let's take you off now because COVID's left your body. and Maybe your kidneys will bounce back. Well, it went two or three months. They did. Matter of fact, they got worse. So uh, they told me in April, May that I was going to have to start dialysis again and that I probably could get on the kidney transplant list. So we started that process. Uh, I started dialysis uh, at home. Uh, in Je- uh, July, I also uh, started my application to get on the kidney transplant list. I also started looking for donors. Yeah. Even before I got on the transplant right. list, I was looking for donors. And uh, what's that mean? How do you look for donors? Well, they give you a link. Oh, I mean, just to be in this day and age is incredible. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, someone says, man, I just want to see if we're matched or whatever. You give them the link, they click it, go to it, give some initial health information. They screen you to see if you are a viable candidate for any kidney transplant. Okay. If there's, you know, if you're on some medication or you sure. have some condition that would disqualify you, not just for me, but for right. anybody. Right. So that's the initial. If you pass that, then they, and you, you went through it. What happens then? 
Yeah. So after that kind of initial screening, are you, are you still qualified? <laughs> uh, you end up um, scheduling some time to go in and they take all kinds of blood work. And they, that's when they start really diving into what's your blood type, what's your tissue type, mm-hmm. what's, uh, they they do ultrasounds and and all kinds of stuff. I mean, this is a huge proceed oh, yeah. I mean, process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's I mean it's there's a lot of steps to it, and I mean they they want to monitor absolutely everything. Yeah. To find out what's uh, the potential donors' health conditions. Are they mm-hmm. uh, if they walk through this, are they going to make it through the other side of it? Oh, you yeah. Know? And, yeah. Um, they check blood pressure and all these. I mean, it's this long process. You go in for. Um, a day and a half basically of, mm. of just nonstop tests and information. You talk about <laughs> drinking through the fire hose. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. They just overwhelm you with all of this. Um, and then from there you, you start meeting with surgeons and all of this, uh, uh, all of the different staff members that are involved in the transplant. Um, I mean, they, they have you talking to uh, uh, counselors and, uh, to make sure mentally you're going to be okay afterwards yeah. and all this kind of thing. And, and so it, um, it really was an extensive filtering process. How long did all that take? Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think of. You started in of, July. Yeah. And it wasn't until, um, it was almost a year. Yeah. Cause wow. we, found a out. Year we found out through April. the whole, right. through the whole process. Right. The you started in July in and you found out that he was a so. match in April. He took, he found out before I did. Um, okay. They keep you separate. The, the, yeah. the, the transplant side and the donor, they don't talk. So oh. they don't, they don't want me to know what's going on. They, I have, but no you idea. guys are really good friends. That's yeah. what <laughs> makes our situation different. So, okay. so let but me normally, catch, let me clarify and catch up real quick. So if you haven't caught up in the conversation, <laughs> So yeah, he, well, um, Hook has the kidney failure, and Andy is one of the people researching. Right? Can right. I yes. can I be a donor right. for him? Yeah. Yep. And so you, you, and so you're going through that process, which is long and extensive. Uh, Hook, you had like ten to fifteen people, didn't yeah. didn't you? That applied. Like that I, I think link. that's really awesome. Oh man, it's incredible. Because like I'm I'm thinking again. We talked about friendship a little earlier, like uh, across the racial mm-hmm. divide, but like. How do you have that many people in your network that are willing to give you a part of themselves? It, let me tell you something. It, that had to feel good. It, it, I really didn't appreciate it until later in the process. You know, to me, the, uh, acquiring donors is, as you to me, it was like a game. I, 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 had, <laughs> I would get people. You know, I, I'm a funny guy. And, sure. And so I'm going around, and people know I'm sick, and I, yeah. and I, and you know how we greet, man. Hook, I love you. So do you really love? <laughs> Much. Are you, are you oh, one of those awesome. Christians? That yeah. throw out, I, love I mean, you. I'll help you move. Right. I'm not you. But if you love me, here's a link. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, business cards printed up. You're so, just saying, I don't know. So after going through this uh, for a while, you know, several people say, well, hook, man, I, 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 my blood type is Rocky Road, man. You don't want nothing. You got to go with my body. So, so then I began to scan. I said, listen, this is the deal. Let's just put it on the table. You can give me a, a kidney or you can just give me $1,000 today. <laughs> Who do I write the check to? Right. So, we just went through that so you made a lot of money in this oh, process. Who <laughs> cleared 40 grand off of this? Thing. I said, man, do I really want a kidney or do I want right. money? So, but we made it a game. And again, mm. so many people love me. They, they, That's they, so cool. they care about me. So out of those 10 to 15, how many people were matches? You only, like I said, I don't know anything that goes on the other side. Oh. All I know is the day that he called me, sat me down and told me, look, I got some good news for you. Huh. I got you a thousand dollars. So walk me as you go to that experience in that room. Tell, walk me through what what was said and how that. Well, yeah. tell them you know from the time that we started in July, just mm. to explain how we walked through it and up until that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like like Hook said, they they really try to keep us uh, in the dark as to where each other are in the process. You mm-hmm. know, they, they even instructed me at different times. Hey, you know, you may not want to have this conversation with Hook. Uh, and, and to even let him know that you're applying or right, what? Okay. Right, but yeah. you, but you did know he applied. I know I gave him the link. Okay. I, I, want you to get, I have no idea what they do with the link. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And even, even there were just little moments in the process that, that we couldn't have even scripted. I mean, we were in the, in the front office at the church one, one day and, and the conversation surrounding blood type came up and most people, you ask them their blood type, they have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> right. Well, 
he mentions that he's O positive and, and we're just laughing because here I am in the office. I happen to know mine and I'm O positive. And that's, <laughs> that's one of those blood types. Yeah. It's like, you just don't meet a lot of people. Right. What, are the, what are the odds of well, in, that? in the kidney area, the A's and B's can, can kind of match and, and there's some flexibility. O positive. You got to get an O positive. I mean, if the guy that gives you has to be an O positive. So that's where you are with that. So. I'm I'm O negative. <laughs> I'm O negative. I am O negative. Yeah. So, so you need to make some O negative friends. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? I'm, I'm, I'm not O negative. He doesn't know. See, that's the. I don't know. I need to find. Oh, out. you one of those who don't know? I don't oh. know. I need to find out. Yeah. yeah. I need to find out. Okay. So cool. So yeah. Keep keep us going. So so in that, I mean, as much as we were maybe being instructed not to <laughs> share with each other right. where we are in the process because of the friendship yeah. and just the love we have for each other. Yeah. We would give updates of, of, Hey, here's, they've, they've cut plus it, you know, you work together and suddenly I'm out of the office for a day and a half for what I've got, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going is, fishing. Hook. Why is Andy gone? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I would let him know, Hey, I'm going in. Here's the testing that I have going on. And, and Andy, what's that thing on like, your arm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Why are they monitoring your blood? I feel, I feel like I Hook know. is such That's a practical it. joker that this would have been a prime opportunity to pull some jokes on Hook. Oh, you don't know me. I'm a straight guy. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so you keep this. So then the process the, is going. The, uh, yeah, I just keep thinking about him being the straight shooter <laughs> and how that just about derailed me right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything else today has been true. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, we keep going in the process. So we're, we're giving updates. Yeah. Hey, here's, here's the thing. It, it seems like I might be a match and, and they haven't said to me, you're a match, right? Mm -hmm, in right. this process, the testing, all that, they just keep pushing you. It's almost like they push you through basic training. They push you through tech <laughs> wow. school. Or whatever. It's kind of like that. They just keep pushing you through to the next process. And so we would update each other. And uh, both of us were really trying to do our best to guard our hearts mm -hmm. in the sense of not getting our hopes. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, thinking about mm -hmm. how amazing this would be if, this is the story that God was writing. If, mm -hmm. if the two of us got to be a part yeah. of this journey, one bad test could knock it, this whole thing yeah. off the rails. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, um, there were just, there were moments in the process and it was like, we've said it was a long process, but there were moments where I just really felt like God was kind of saying, Hey, this is going to happen. This mm -hmm. is, uh, just would feel <laughs> a peace about the next step. And, and it was more a sense of like, this confidence that uh, I'm, I don't want to say anything too early, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be a match. So, so. you're married, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's the conversation <laughs> with your wife? Like <laughs> after you find out that you are good to go, like, yeah, yeah I mean, this is not saying, Hey, I'm Hey babe, I'm going to take a couple days and go <laughs> with the guys. I mean, this is yeah. a big life changing thing. How's that conversation go with your, your family? And it was as much as the testing and everything was a process, so were the conversations. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a continual here we are today at this point thinking it's a possibility. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. Okay. Okay. Then the next stage is you've you, you were a blood type match and there's things that are starting to line up. Let's talk about that. And then you get to these these kind of big, big steps in the process where you realize we're not just exploring the possibilities anymore. <laughs> we got to really mm -hmm. talk about how does this impact our family? Yeah. Uh, what's the long-term impact on my health? Is there uh, long-term impacts that I need to be aware of? Um, and we really had to hash that out. And um, to be honest, like those, those are not easy conversations when um, you've got maybe – someone like me, who's, who's, I, I'm, I'm ready to kind of run into anything like, Oh, let's do it. And my wife is so wise and so, mm -hmm. so steady in mm -hmm. so many ways that, that she just kind of grounds things and says, okay, let's, let's think this through. That's right. called my wife. Too. Uh, is that just, uh, and my wife, they're, they're, they're great at discernment. I, it's one of the worst spiritual yeah. gifts out there is discernment. Like, just let me go. No, but I totally get that. Like, 
oh, there's a building on fire. Let's run in and save the animals. You know, and they're kids. And she's like, are you sure? Yeah, 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 chill out for a second. Let's yeah. talk this through. You're yeah. listening, Allison. I was just joking. Yeah. He's not. For the camera. One of the things about Andy's situation is they processed it. Michelle, his wife, is on staff as well. Mm. So I'm, yeah. I'm oh. great friends with her. You know, Our families are mm. tight. And Andy's family is a medical family. He has several people in his family who who are aware of what he's going through. Okay. So he 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 had great people to inform him mm-hmm. that he Absolutely. he wasn't going off false information. Oh, so you have like doctors and nurses and those kind of people in your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. got a yeah. lot of yeah. medical professionals that okay. were able to just speak into the process. They're like, do you really <laughs> like Hulk that much? <laughs> right. You know what this means, right? How much? How when you said you were getting dialysis? How often were you getting that? Just, dialysis before this procedure well when i was in the hospital it was every it was three times a week from january february it was three times a week tuesdays thursdays and saturdays Mm -hmm. um when i went to home dialysis in july Mm -hmm. i initially did it every night for nine Mm -hmm. hours i was every night for nine hours seven seven days for nine hours you hook up before you go to bed so it happens during the night during the night yeah which was what makes it so great it's why you sleep. I've never heard that. Yeah. That, it, it, does, it, that it, dialysis is so great. Right. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you and he's like, why did I do this that right. night? When I did when I did it in center, it was it was hard. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, I would do it five in the morning. I get up get off at nine thirty, ten. And I try to go to work by one, two o'clock. I'm I'm Done. I'm I, there's nothing left because your b- blood leaves your body, goes through this filter and comes back in. Yeah. And home dialysis, there's a solution that goes in your body and pulls the contaminants out and you flush it away so I just, it's a lot easier i gotta say this you guys are obviously very very good friends i've loved this man for <laughs> i know where i know where no. if zach came to me and he said chris things are kind of tight i need a couple of bucks no problem i'm just gonna give him that money he goes hey my car broke down here take my car Maybe I need some hair plugs for my head. Fine. You know, fine. I lost a finger. I can't type. Here, take my finger. But that's the extent. I think that's the extent. Like, one finger? I think the, thing, I think the extent is a finger. I, like, I mean, I just think about you, Andy, like sitting on that table before you get knocked out, thinking, holy cow, my world is about to change yeah. for somebody I love very dearly. Yeah. And now he won't have to have the nine-hour infusions if everything goes right. right. But that's not a guarantee no, either. No, right. yep. Like we've heard people get kidney transplants and it doesn't work. Right. And now you're down a kidney and he's still on. Right. I mean, that's it's holy cow, that's a story. Right. But we know, yeah, with God, yeah, once you get the go from God, yeah, then you, you trust go. him with all the results. And 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 that's one of the things with, with Andy. Many people asking, you know. How could you do that? You know, what did, did you have any checks, any doubts, any fears? And and Andy would always say, Man, I, I just I gave it to God and I just felt like God gave me to go to do this. And once you get to go from God, it it all that other stuff, the fear, the doubts, and anxieties change because you heard it from him. And as pastors, let's be honest, maybe the greatest sermon illustration of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is come that what on. this whole thing was about? Is it all about that? was the purpose. <laughs> okay. I'm going to need but, to but you, but, but you, you, we, we laugh at that. But one of the things that God did out of this, and, and it's a backstory, is uh, our senior pastor was retiring in 19, right before COVID. Oh, wow. And Andy and I were the, the two candidates for the lead pastor position wow. at Bellevue. And Andy got the job. Andy had been on staff. Two years. Two years. I'd been on staff 25 years. Oh. <laughs> and it's white. I'm black. Sure. I'm 60 some. Andy's 30 some. 30 some. <laughs> so we had some challenges in our church. Wow. You know, as, as, as far along as we thought we were racially in our church, oh. we thought we were doing pretty good. This rocked us. Yeah. Because a lot of blacks, and, and this is, a, again, a, an experience that you guys aren't might not be familiar with, but as blacks, when you leave home, your parents tell you, you're going to always have to do three times, four times, mm-hmm. five times what your white competition does in order to get the job. You just know that. If you're equal with them, you're not going to get the job. It's just that's what we live with. So we come into this situation, you know, experience, age, and Andy gets a job. It, it, 
I totally understand where my black brothers and sisters are coming from. Another example, the white guy mm-hmm. doing it. So yeah. it, it, it shook us. And How did you work through that? That's a huge well, thing, man. Well, I knew when I applied for the job, if I get the job, it's because God wants me to have it. If I don't get the job, guess what? It's because God does not want me to have it. The thing I knew is that Beverly Christensen was my home. It was my home before I applied. It will be my home after I applied if Andy wanted me to be there. So I was okay either way because I entrusted it to God. But when you're black and you're excited about, man, we're going to have a black pastor, finally. You know, a large church, most large churches have a white pastor and blacks are there. Very few large churches have a black pastor with white people attending. Mm-hmm. We know that we see mm-hmm. that. So I understood that generationally, you know, our, our older people, my generation, they're not used to being led by a 30 some year old. Our mentality is the 30 year old sits down and then speaks when asked. <laughs> that's, that's just what we grew up. Got to get some years of experience <laughs> yeah, and wisdom under right. your belt. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so, so my seniors, our seniors had a hard time. It was hard. Did I, you lose people? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and think this is why I love this man so much is he took over in January, December, January of 20 mm. COVID was March of 20. <laughs> Tough so first now, year. <laughs> months in, <laughs> he's got to deal with where do we, we wear a mask or where we don't wear masks. Either mm. way you choose, you're going to yeah. lose. Yeah. So that's, that's a cut. Then we talk about when they gave us permission to open the church. Well, he's, he's got to make it. Are we going to open the code? If you open the church, why are you doing that? Don't, right. you, don't you care? Oh, you he, could not make a right decision. That, there that, you right. go. Yeah. So that's what he's dealing with. And then we go into the summer with the Florida issue racially. Yeah. And, and as Andy said, this is where God is beginning to do something that's hard. So we do a racial justice thing in our church. We lost people. We had, we had people say, mm-hmm. why don't you just leave that stuff out there? Why are you bringing it here? It's not, that's not, and that again, that just shows where we are when it comes to justice. We just don't understand. Sure. It. So Andy had to deal with that. Then we had the elections. <laughs> 2020, what a year. It was terrible. It was awful. And so Andy's having to go through this. He and I are going through all of this. I like he, that you said that you love this man because he navigated COVID, not because he gave you a kidney. No, no, no. <laughs> No, his kidney was a, was a consequence, a result of our relationship. Nah, I, I know yeah, that. Yeah. But just his leadership for us through all of that. Mm. And then at the same time, wrestling through me mm. being sick and mm. ill, knowing how much he loves me and, and, and just the grace he gave me in that whole process of not being at work and just out of work and uh, not being there and letting me know, hook, whatever you need, whatever your wife needs, we're there for you. So well, with yeah. all that backstory then, which is awesome to hear, cause I didn't, I didn't know that part of it, which is yeah. makes the story so much and, and the awesome. final part of the story, even, even that much more beautiful. But so, so yeah, then you go through all the steps, the family's got your, you know, all their opinions and, yeah. and good information <laughs> you go through with it. I want to know the day you heard that, Andy was the match for you. First off, like, what are the odds of that? And then, yeah. secondly, um, how? What? Yeah, what did you think and what did you feel in that moment? Well, as 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 Andy said, we've been traveling through this, and you know, every day we get more excited because we haven't heard anything that would disqualify. So you guys weren't listening to the doctors; no. you were talking no. to each yeah. other. Okay, okay, yes. okay. Yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Doctor Schmacher. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. hey, hook! I got a. They appoint me tomorrow. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> so when it's finally official, though, then then what? Then yeah. Hook's coming up to Andy. <laughs> Andy, why don't you share that? Because he found out before I did. Yeah. So when when we kind of found out that I was a match, and not just not just a, a an okay match, I was I checked every box. I was a a, a perfect match for Hook. Which um, honestly, I wish I could remember some of the statistics. Right. You might be able to remember, mm-hmm. but that that's it, it's pretty. Um, pretty impossible to find a perfect match mm. like that in your immediate context. Right. They can find you a match right. that is like yeah. that, but you just don't hear of uh, <laughs> friends, coworkers, yeah. boss, uh, having employee, bosses, <laughs> having uh, being a perfect match like that. Yeah. And so we, my my family, my wife and I, we found out that I was a match. And even in that, and they tell you uh, as the potential donor. Every step along the way, 
you can back out at any moment. I mean, they want you to know that you're not forced to do this. Even, I mean, we're in pre-op getting ready IVs in and they say, are you sure you want to do this? You know what? So, <laughs> I like the gown though. Can I keep the gown? Uh, um, but we, my wife and I talked, we had been praying along the way, constantly just coming back to God on mm-hmm. it and said, okay, we, our answer is yes. Now we want to sit down with hook and, and the hospital, this was the point in which they said, do you want to tell them or do you want us to tell them? Oh. And we said, well, we would love yeah. to. We've uh, already been talking. Yeah. So yeah. we might. He well. knew. He knew. Uh, you don't know, but he, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. we're good. Um, so reached out to hook and, and just said, Hey, can you meet with, with Michelle and I wanted to get uh hook and his wife, Melba. She, unfortunately she had to work um, and couldn't make it. Cause but, we didn't know what. Yeah. I just thought it was a work work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I knew that if Melba's like, I'm going to work. It's no big deal. What do I need? Yeah, come on. And I knew if I didn't tell him soon, then he would hear from the hospital. So it was like, we got to do this. Um, So the three of us, my wife and I, and and Hook sat down in his office and and just shared with him. um, You know, it's it's a go. We Mm. found out I'm a match, and we said yes, and we'd like to we'd like to go through with this and. there was just a long silence <laughs> in yeah. all of us, you know, because there's just is one God. of the most remarkable things that Hook was silent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, miraculous. Yeah. miraculous. Andy uh, said, but your next grandchild is going to be named Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was just a moment, you know, where mm. we all of that journey that had yeah. begun all the way back in December when he got COVID and, yeah. and then all the way to that moment was yeah. like, um, you start to look back and you realize that God had his finger on yeah. every, every bit of it, that he yeah. was writing this story even before Hook got COVID and the transition was right. happening yeah. and what we were facing as a church. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God was just authoring this thing in, in such a way that was like, man, we, well, we don't have anything to fear because yeah. he's writing the story. Yeah. And the other so. interesting thing about your story is, so let's say, Hook, you get the senior pastor job. Mm-hmm. Then look at what you would have gone through. Right, right. You know, it's yeah. almost like uh, as disappointing as that had to have been. And it, it, it really, hear me, it, it yeah. really wasn't. Okay, because okay. I, I, I just know God. Yeah, yeah. and right. I, 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 I know my God. And and one of I was in the military for fifteen years, so I'm a military thinker. Mm. Right? Just the way I, I do work, the way I think about relationships is is based on military training. In the military, you get used to working for whoever. Mm. If, 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 if Barney Fife is the boss, you work for Barney Fife. <laughs> yes, that's, sir. That's, that's right. <laughs> and, and no matter who sits in that seat, yeah. it's the same response from, from, from the subordinate. Yeah. So I was prepared that, God, if you put me in that seat, I can do that. If I'm here. I'm going to be the same guy no matter which seat I'm in. Right. And I know my church loves me no matter which seat I'm in. But what broke me, you talking about being disappointed, was what broke me in this whole situation was the response of my church. Mm-hmm. That that the response, my family, my wife, she was hurt yeah. by this. Yeah. My kids at the church, they all left. They oh left. my they goodness. Left the church because, just because of the reaction. Yes, because yeah. they were just so disappointed. And again, what I said about Justin, here's another example. So having to work through. Me and Andy, we're great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. of, of any relationship, this was never uh, yeah, a challenge. That's awesome to but, hear. But my because that could have broke. Oh, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, it, it was just great, uh, a great experience when Andy shared with me, and uh, I cried. Yeah, you know, he cried, we cried. How's the recovery after you guys come out? Like, um, <laughs> what's that like? It was... Why are you laughing? Huh? <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> Wait a second. Expectation wise, like, um, you know, I I thought, man, I'm a young, healthy guy. Like, I'm gonna go through this and, yeah. and bounce right back. I'm gonna have an internal and, organ ripped out of myself <laughs> and play basketball in three days. I, I, yeah. Honestly, I was like, it's not gonna be long, and I'll be back in the swing right. of things. And um, I came out of surgery feeling like I had just been hit by a truck. Wow. Like, boom. He came out of surgery. He's singing like I've got new life. This is amazing. Um, but I would say, I mean, truth be told, for both of us, yeah. recovery-wise, um, it's been smooth and as expected yeah. as okay. far as 
Uh, no, no complications, mm-hmm. no hiccups. How long ago did this take place? August the fourth. Uh, yeah, that was back in August. So wow, not 22. that far. No, yeah, twenty two. Not, not yeah. Wow. So do you have to go back and like get regular, both of y'all get regular checkups, make sure everything's working and everything's I go going? every week. You do? I, I get a blood draw every Monday. Oh, wow. That's how they determine how my kidney is doing. My okay. System. And everything's good? Everything's good. I, I have a, a, a slight uh, virus that came along with the kidney. A way to go, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you got a little Andy inside of you now. I mean, how's life Just different? Just a little yeah. gift. Just that, a little I, gift. You know, that extra bow on, on the top of the kidney. <laughs> Since you got the kidney, do you have a desire for bigger steaks and smaller grills? Uh, <laughs> now you say that, okay? Uh, how did that spark us? This, this is this is a, this is the feel. I said, Andy, cook. Now that you got Andy's kidney, I mean, a white guy's kidney. How does it feel? <laughs> I said, well, I I feel a little more privileged than I ever felt before. I mean, I can go into restaurants and and I just feel like I belong now. I I. That, that whole out of place oh, thing is gone. It's gone. And then when I checked my bank statement and I did my my my, my credit score went up a hundred points. I mean, it's just amazing. That's just a joke. <laughs> Andy's about tired of hearing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, man, if I would have known all these jokes were wrong. <laughs> That's great. Oh, That's man. an amazing story. Yeah. And and so and and one of the things I, I I watched and you know as part of that story was the announcement to the church, oh, yeah, and it was, was tear filled and like for as much as you guys had been through that had to be well, a super win yeah. in that moment. And well, in the the, the think about uh, what the church has been through, and now yeah. they get to see and he's giving a hook a kidney. Yeah, I got a long email from one of our priests, Pastor Hooker. I see God's hand in this mm. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it was a long email just thanking me for not leaving the church yeah. and, and, and and they not have the opportunity to see the hand of God. I mean, this is a healing moment yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways, yeah. yeah. And then, um, as I said, Andy, I knew Andy since he was five. Well, Andy and I went to Mexico together when he was 16. I went to Africa with Andy's father and his older brother in, 20, in, in 2000. His mom was my secretary for five, three, three years. Uh, his two sisters, we did a, uh, a ministry to foster kids together for five years. Um, his mom just retired from being my son's administrative assistant. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it just goes on Crazy, and man. on. And so we just know that God is, has been over this thing since we were born. I mean, yeah. God just ordained this. Or us. So how do you think this story outside of like your own context, which obviously it's been huge for both of your families, mm-hmm. for your church family, for, I, th- I think for the greater Omaha oh, area, yeah. like this made news and like, yeah. it was such a cool thing to share around and see the comments of like, this is what it looks like to be a Christian and a disciple today. <laughs> yeah. So in all those, it's a win, but like for the everyday listener or disciple out there, how can a story like this impact them? I think you know, one of the first things that comes to mind and you've heard, you've heard Hook say it several times in, in, in just answering questions is just when you know God and the, know the way that he works, mm-hmm. you're able to trust God mm. in every, in every step. I mean, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, how going into this process of saying, could I be a donor and having that confidence that God had given me the, mm-hmm. let's go through with this. I never heard from God. There was no audible voice that said everything's going to turn out okay. Yeah. There was no, there was never a, a sense of like, as far as the surgery is going to be successful all right. and all these things, but there was a sense of, I've got this under control. God's right. got this under control. And I hope that this story to anyone who ever hears it, I hope that it just communicates that, that God is faithful, mm-hmm. that he's, He's unchanging and that you can trust him. That mm, when good. you let him write your story, come what may, yeah. he's got you protected. He's going mm-hmm. to care for you. And he's going to write something that you could never <laughs> imagine on your own. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I think that's one of the major things is that is, I mean, you can you can completely trust God with your story yeah. um, and, and watch what he can do with it. Yeah. Um, for those who might not be Christians yet. Hmm. Um, 
He's a great guy. Yeah, man. He loves us. He cares for us. Uh, he's in every aspect of our lives before salvation. Uh, he brings us to points of decision. Uh, the Bible says uh, we didn't come after him, but he's coming after us. And mm. and and if you're on, out there and no matter what you're going through, no matter what your experience is, no matter what your challenge is, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that cares. And there's a God that's waiting to be a part uh, of your experience in your life. And uh, for those of us that are Christians, all things work together for the good. Amen. You all things work together. For the good. When you delivered that, you should have walked closer. To the- <laughs> <laughs> we should have the music in the background. The music coming up in the background. <laughs> but it does. It works together for the good. And 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 God gets so much glory out of our stories mm. when we yield to his will and his purpose. I'm reminded of that Bible verse that he is the author and the finisher and of our right stories. Now. And so 12, yeah. I think that's what I so love about your story for the everyday disciple is our situation and stories may not be exactly the same, yeah. but there are high, high highs, low lows in the middle of it all. I heard yeah. you guys say, uh, we're trusting in God and it's going to work out yeah. and he will, he will get the glory yeah. no matter if it, if it has a cost to yeah. me or not. Yeah. And I'm grateful for uh, the the example, uh, the story, and the lives that you two have touched in this process. Mm-hmm. And it's just super inspirational. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah. And 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 uh, yeah, it's so amazing to see what God does through it. All right. So before we uh, leave, we ask all of our guests if we could if you could challenge our listeners to do one thing. Uh, to be a greater disciple this week, what would what would that be? I'd love to hear from each of you. Yeah, I think the the thing that I would challenge is to find some way this week to surrender a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if if you're going to let God write the story, then you got to surrender yeah. your need to be the author, right? <laughs> and and so that can look like I'm going to surrender a little bit more of my time to Him this week, or I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna surrender. Uh, a little bit more of my my need to control, or I'm gonna, you know, uh, find something this next week, and and say, God, I, I want to give you a little bit more of this than I usually do. Uh, I want to surrender a little bit mm-hmm. more, and then watch what a faithful God will do with that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in 2021, our pastor Gary uh, was in a terrible car accident. Yeah, he became uh, in a wheelchair paraplegic. Uh, from that point to today, he wow. never walked in. And godly man, uh, a Job thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. representing God in every area of his life. And this happened to him. And the church, we all said, again, why Gary? Why Gary? Why Gary? And, you know, when people start asking, there's no answers for that. Mm-hmm. Right. But God challenged me personally. Hook, you need to be asking the question, why not you? I said, why not me? And as I began to ponder that question, I began to understand God could trust Gary with that. God could trust Job. He said, "Why don't he tell the devil? Why don't you try my my servant Job? Yeah. He's faithful yeah. in all the ways. Take away all of his stuff." God said, "Who can I trust you with anything that comes in your way?" So from that day, I've been challenging myself. Hook, why not you? Is there anything in your life? Is there anything attitude, any heart thing that would keep you from being used? in a greater way, no matter how God chose it. Wow. Mm. Why not you? So what I would challenge uh, the audience, the young disciple, is ask yourself, why not me? When you see the challenges that some of your friends go through with medical issues, loss of job, and you say, man, what a terrible thing. I don't know what I would do. Stop there and say, well, if God would challenge me or decide to use me in that situation, <laughs> could he? Could he use you in a greater way by surrendering to whatever he wants to do, however he wants to get glory, however he wants to make his name known through you? Why not you? Amen. Amen. I'm going to let it go with that. Yeah. That is a beautiful ending. Uh, thanks, fellas, for, for being here today. Yeah, that was an incredible and, uh, story. Thanks for coming down. Awesome. Thank you for Appreciate having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate yep. it. What an incredible conversation. I am, I'm challenged, I'm inspired, I'm ready to go. And I hope you are too. 
Uh, this was amazing. All the show notes, the, the, the highlights, the, if you want to find out more about the story and how it's covered even online, uh, we'll put those in the show notes. I want to thank our sponsor, Red Letter Living, uh, the team that I get to work with. We create resources that challenge people, disciples to be greater. And, and, and so we would love pastors to work with you and your churches in a 40-day challenge. And Lent is the number one time of the year to do that. So you can find out more information about all of our 40-day challenges at redletterchallenge.com slash join. If you're particularly interested in our newest one, Forgiving Challenge, which is where we talk a lot about reconciliation, which was a a lot of where our focus was in this episode, you can find out more about that one at forgivingchallenge.com. All these links are in the show notes too. All right, so next week's great. When I had some friends look at the guest list for season three, there were a few of them were like, yep, that's the one. (laughs) And that's next week. Uh, We welcome to the show... Dr. Brian Ficker, who is author of the influential book, When Helping Hurts, uh, literally one of the most powerful, most influential books that shaped the, the church, and I would say discipleship, when it comes to helping, uh, when it comes to serving, when it comes to doing it the right way in the last decade. And so we're going to have a great conversation with Dr. Ficker about how do we truly help those in poverty? Like what's most effective? We're going to look at how the American dream is actually failing us. And and did you know Ryan is six foot, 10 inches tall? So we're going to spend a few minutes talking tall people problems. And I think actually all you short people that wish you were tall, maybe you'll feel better about yourselves after all the problems you, you see Brian has to go through. So don't miss it. And the way you won't miss it, follow and subscribe on your streaming platform, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you back next week for the Red Letter Disciple. Huda Media Production.